In this episode of The Briefing, we'll take you inside the harsh reality of Chinese social media and how the vitriol for figure skater Zhu Yi got so bad that Chinese censors had to step in. The censors did what they normally do, and that is to take down damaging messages posted online. The vitriol levelled against Zhu Yi um, is seen as damaging China's reputation as the Olympic host. Wow, imagine having the government stepping in for you if you're getting slammed on social media. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk about the wild world of Weibo at the Winter Olympics in today's briefing. It is Thursday, the 16th of February. Prince Andrew has settled his sexual abuse case out of court. Yeah, this means the Duke of York won't have to face court over his alleged abuse of Virginia Dufresne when she was 17. She took the action last August, accusing the prince of forcing her to have sex more than two decades ago at the London home of Ghislaine Maxwell and two Epstein properties. Andrew's always denied Dufresne's accusations, but thanks to this settlement, uh, they won't be tested in court. We don't know how much the settlement is for, although Prince Andrew says he intends to make a donation to Dufresne's charity in support of victims' rights. Prince Andrew's lawyer stated on his behalf that he never intended to malign Miss Dufresne's character and he accepts that she's suffered both as an established victim of abuse and as a result of unfair public attacks. Now, his lawyer also said the prince regrets his association with Epstein and he commends Miss Dufresne's bravery. Wow, this is a massive development. It'll be a huge relief for Prince Andrew and potentially the Queen. I mean, this court mm. case would have dragged on and overshadowed her Platinum Jubilee celebrations, which climax in June. It's really interesting. I wish we knew what was in this yes. settlement. I don't think we ever will, though. <laughs> Novak Djokovic has broken his public silence after being booted out of Australia. The world number one confirming on the BBC he will not get vaccinated, not because he's an anti-vaxxer, but because he supports an individual's right to choose. I understand the consequences of my decision. And one of the consequences of my decision was not going to Australia and I was prepared not to go. And I understand that not being vaccinated today I'm unable to travel to most of the tournaments at the moment. And And that's the price you're willing to pay? That that is the price that I'm willing to pay. It's a huge price to pay. He's worked his whole career to be at this point and he was level with Federer and Nadal. Now Nadal's got the the extra title, um, but he seems really resolute in that position. Um, So it means he could miss the French Open in May and Wimbledon in June. Some Russian troops on the Ukraine border have started withdrawing, according to Russian state media. Yes, this one's interesting. The move comes right as the Ukraine president speculated that February 16, which is today, could be the day of an invasion. So the UK Foreign Secretary of State Liz Truss says she needs more proof and she still believes an attack is imminent. We will need to see a full-scale removal of troops to show that is true. Sounds like no one trusts what Russia says. Yeah. (laughs) More than half of Russia's military capacity is now stationed at the Ukrainian border. And early this morning, our time, cyber attacks hit two of Ukraine's largest state banks, as well as the Defence Ministry and Armed Forces website. I guess that's a different way that they could uh, stage action without having to physically use troops. On February 16. To alarming news from the freedom protests in Canberra, Police have arrested a man who was found with a firearm, ammunition and a map of Parliament House. 
Another man was arrested after he rammed a barricade with a truck. We were concerned that some of the individuals we identified in there, intelligence supplied by state police identified some troublemakers that we ended up arresting some of those ones. Mm. Um, they did turn out to be troublemakers and trying to incite violence. So really things stepping up a notch there in Canberra. AFP Commissioner Rhys Kershaw, you heard speaking there. Protesters have also been moved out of Exhibition Park, so that, that was involving three arrests. The park is now cleared in time for my favourite event of the year, Tom, the Canberra Show. What's it like, the Canberra <laughs> Show? Is it like a country town show or is it more like the Royal Easter Show? When I grew up, I knew no difference. I thought it was the event of all all time and it was spectacular. No, it's actually really nice. It's kind of more like a country show vibe. The ex-wife of Ben, Robert Smith, has denied she wants him jailed as his defamation trial continues. Emma Roberts was questioned over spiteful text messages that she'd sent. One called him a lying, cheating C-bomb of a human. But she said in court that she hopes Ben survives this nightmare. Yeah, she also denied she was the one who leaked photos of SAS members drinking from the prosthetic leg of a dead Afghan prisoner. I feel like those photos are published all the time now. Yeah, the trial continues again today with another SAS soldier to give evidence. The background, of course, is that Robert Smith is suing a number of nine newspapers over stories published in 2018, which he says contain false allegations of illegal killings and bullying. All right, right after this message, the brutal world of Weibo and the Winter Olympics. Well, this is a tale of two Chinese women. Both are American-born, but they chose to compete for China in the Winter Games. They were both under huge pressure to perform. But one has received enormous adulation on social media, while the other has been trolled so badly, censors have had to step in. Is it just because one performed well and the other performed badly, or is there way more to it? We're talking about the 18-year-old free skier, Eileen Gu, who is probably one of the most famous people in the world right now, and a lesser known, and as you'll hear, more controversial figure, a 19-year-old figure skater, Ju Yi. Gu has been given the nickname of China's Snow Princess and has been uh, praised for her Mandarin skills and her embrace of Chinese culture, whereas Ju Yi has been absolutely slammed. Uh, The hashtag Ju Yi fell down trended after she fell over just 20 seconds into her figure skating routine and she then fell over in another event and blamed it on all the online hate she received. The latest news overnight is that Ju Yi struggled again in the ladies' single short program, finishing 27th and failing to qualify for the next stage. But she smiled in front of the camera after her performance and then the hashtag Ju Yi Smiles trended on Weibo and was seen by 30 million people. And Eileen Gu um, got another medal. She got a silver in the women's slope style final. So I guess what we're asking is why are the Chinese public treating these women so differently? Is it just about performance or does it go way deeper than that? And also, what does it say about Chinese social media, which is so intriguing? Jennifer Su is a research fellow at the Lowy Institute specialising in Chinese society. Jennifer, thanks for joining us. Can you start by giving us a lay of the land of Chinese social media? What's Weibo and which platform that we use is most similar to it? So Weibo is a cross between Twitter and Instagram as we know it here. So Weibo means microblog in Chinese 
There's also the very popular WeChat, which is more sort of a communication tool that you use between family and friends. Um, You can have up to 500 people in a group chat in WeChat. But Weibo is kind of what we know as sort of the Chinese version of Twitter, but it does so much more. There's a post text limit of 2,000 characters. You can post articles, videos, and there's also an e-commerce integration into Weibo. And it's used by hundreds of millions of netizens across China to exchange information, share their opinions on social issues, but it's also a social media app that's under strict new censorship in China. Yeah, I imagine that's the other key difference, you know, when comparing it to the way we use social media here is that it has much more government control. Yeah, so China has this great firewall which prevents the majority of Chinese citizens from accessing websites outside of China um, or their strict censorship. We know that lots of um, Chinese citizens can't access BBC, CNN, these are all sites which the Chinese government has deemed as having put out articles or posted videos or news items that are outside the interests of the Chinese party state. So tell us about what happened with the figure skater Zhu Yi. Uh, How intense was this backlash online? Talk us through her story. The way that the media here in the West and also in China is that she's being pitted against this figure stated Zhui or Beverly Zhu, as she's also known, has been pitted against Arlene Gu. They're both born in the United States and um, with ethnic Chinese heritage, but both have decided that they would compete in this Beijing Winter Olympics under the banner of China, that they would represent China. So Zhui's figure skating performance was not successful. She had failed to reach the medal stage and had scored last in her events due to um, falls during the performance. What we saw is this huge outcry, vitriol against her performance. Heaven forbid that she cried because um, she didn't get where she wanted to be in the performance. There were lots of netizens across China who posted very nasty messages about her performance questioned why the Chinese Olympic Committee decided to select her over what Nettison saw as more qualified athlete um, to be on the Olympic team um, representing China. Zhuyi was really seen as a failure by, you know, some segments of Chinese social media as a failure for China's um, sporting medal tally. Arlene Gu, on the other hand, who won the gold medal in free ski, is seen as, um, you know, China's poster girl for Olympic success at the current moment. She's seen as uh, quite confident and outspoken and um, she's been in lots of media campaigns representing lots of commercial uh, outlets across China. Okay, so the backlash seemed pretty huge. I read in the Washington Post that the hashtag um, Shuji fell down was viewed Mm -hmm. 230 million times. Somewhere at some point, the censors appear to have stepped in. What did the Chinese censors do? So they took down posts 
that were very critical of Zui's performance. They censored a lot of these hashtags and basically the censors did what they normally do and that is to take down posts so that people would not continue to follow these hashtags or continue any more damaging messages posted online. The vitriol leveled against Zui um, is seen as damaging China's reputation as the Olympic host. And what the netizens have posted in relation to Zui's performance doesn't really subscribe to that Olympic spirit, which was what China was really hoping to promote prior to the start of their games, given the diplomatic boycotts that Australia, the US, UK um, have implemented. So when it comes to what the censors can and actually do, we know that they can remove content, but do they also encourage citizens to generate content that supports the narrative that they want to promote? There's this movement, I guess, online in China where sort of nationalism post videos related to nationalism. Last year, The Economist magazine ran a piece titled China's Online Nationalist Turn Paranoia into Clickbait. And the article notes that China state security services offer rewards of up to 500,000 RMB or approximately 80,000 Australian dollars for reporting agents of foreign power. So those that post about anti-China treachery are likely to get clicks. And the more clicks a blogger receives, the more influential they become and clicks leads to revenues. The Chinese government offers rewards of up to $80,000 for rooting out agents of foreign power. Okay, so looking at the different treatment Zhu Yi and Eileen Gu got online, is it just the fact that one performed really well and the other didn't? Or are there a more complex set of factors driving that reaction from Chinese people online? Was it about Zhu Yi not speaking Mandarin as well or who she is? Or is it about the importance figure skating holds compared to the freestyle events that Eileen Gu was competing in. What do you think is yeah. really behind this? In a way, this is probably being portrayed online and maybe in the media as sort of a popularity contest. But Eileen Gu was already popular before she became a gold medalist. So Gu had already promoted at least 20 brands and companies in 2021 alone. And the reaction we've seen on Weibo over the success of Gu versus Zhu or Zhu's lack of success is perhaps that old school popularity contest played out on the international stage over and over Weibo. So Gu is portrayed as this darling, as being confident, outspoken young woman, whereas Zhu is portrayed as a softly spoken, timid person. Their characters are really pitted against one another. One's confident, outspoken, one is timid and softly spoken. Are Chinese people themselves sceptical about this recruitment drive for foreign nationals for these games and is perhaps Zhu Yi a scapegoat for some of that anger because she failed? I guess you could say that, but like Australia and China and the US, there are sort of pathways for athletes from other countries to become naturalised citizens, to perform and compete for their newly adopted country. In the current Olympic Games, you know, China's men's hockey team hasn't met the critique as Zhu has. You know, the men's hockey team for China comprises of 11 Canadians, three Americans and one Russian player. And Team China's American-born 
ice hockey goalie Jeremy Smith recently told ESPN that he didn't renounce his US citizenship and he apparently said China did not ask him to do so. So in one way we can see sort of the difference of treatment for men versus women athletes, Mm. um, confident versus softly spoken athletes, particularly those who are female. There's a gender element I suppose also But I think at the heart of it, all countries with big sporting budgets have the ability to recruit athletes who are not citizens of that country. But has anyone else done that on the level that China has in the lead up to these games? And what does that strategy show about what China's trying to achieve with these games? I mean, it does seem a little bit strange to me to be hosting a Winter Olympics in Beijing, a place with almost no snow, and then to find out they've also been recruiting athletes to become citizens in order to boost the medal count. It makes me wonder what what the point of all this is. Sport is a demonstration of a nation's power, soft power, cultural power. Just as in Australia, you know, Australians are proud of their sporting capacity, sporting abilities, particularly in Summer Olympics, you know, in swimming, in track and field as well. China has made it very explicit that it wants to be a sporting nation. And in the recent sort of five-year plan that it announced last year, it's made a huge commitment, financial commitment, to improve the health and well-being of its citizens through creating sporting facilities, cycle paths, you know, all these things that you would expect to come along with promoting a sort of a healthy lifestyle. But on top of that, it has also made huge commitments to fund sporting academies, certain types of sports. This for the Chinese is one way to capture sort of power as well, soft power, along with the other aspects of power, you know, political power, economic power as well. So power can be thought of as a whole bunch of different aspects that contributes to a nation's power. That was Jennifer Su, a research fellow at the Lowy Institute. You've got to say, Katrina, that these athletes who decided to compete for China really put themselves in the firing line if things didn't go very well. Absolutely. I mean, the endorsements that they could receive and I guess the adulation of such a huge population must be so lucrative that they had to, I guess, weigh that up, putting themselves on the line and perhaps potentially making an Olympic team when they otherwise couldn't if they'd stayed in the US. Well, that's right. For Ju Yi, who didn't have all those endorsements, maybe it was worth it because she might not have made the US team. But I wonder if she regrets that choice now, given how much um, vitriol she's copped. And speaking of the Winter Olympics, tomorrow, very exciting, Australia's gold medalist in the moguls, Jakara Anthony. Listener.